Welcome to Summer Bays, the unofficial home and away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavner, where I take a weekly look at the trials and those big old tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I'm going to do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters are very good at finding themselves in, like, is murdering a murderer really a crime? Or are you okay to freak out when a random stranger is rocked into the bay looking exactly like your nephew's dead dad? Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. Now, before I get started, just want to share a top tip to enhance your home and away viewing, and that is no spoilers. Stop the episode when it finishes. Don't look up what's going tomorrow on home and away. Try not to read the episode descriptions. I promise you it is a total game changer. And one more thing of note before we get started, I have moved to London. Great, it's a great time to emigrate during a pandemic. But I do apologise for the drop in quality. I'm currently under a duvet. <laughs> it's getting a bit hot. Hopefully in the next week or two, I'll be set up with new equipment. But anyway, on to the show. Nothing says <laughs> you need to testify against your dead dad at a police station like a mad chase across the Blue Mountains in Australia. So Dean bails for reasons I will go into later and Max steps in, which is great because the Parada boys would be completely lost without her. She added so much to their epic voyage across the country. And oh my God, the views are insane. So Mac knows Bella really well from her days with Colby and the hatred that Bella had towards Mac. So Mac has been on the receiving end of Bella's moods and mind games. So she knows that they have to think like teenagers. And I honestly think Tani and Ari would be completely lost without her. Like just aimlessly driving around this like place that is three times the size of New Zealand. Oi. I did love when they arrived though and to like save the day. And Big Bush Rentals is getting an insane amount of camera spots. It's very funny. So anyway, the search goes underway. And I think by the three of them all going there, and it's like this big destination shoot, they were definitely going to find them. But anyway, meanwhile, this dramatic search party is going on. We have Nick like re- and Bella in this like runaway bliss, like Bonnie and Clyde. We've got a car. We've got a bit of money. No one knows where we are. He's really good at like keeping it light. They've got a car. They've got nowhere to go. They've a bit of food, water. They've also got a radio, which <laughs> kicks off their slow-mo dance sequence to Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber. Stuck with you. A dance sequence that took 90 seconds. It was so awkwardly long. It was like, why? It's like such filler. It's just a full 90 seconds. 30 would have been fine. But the extra minute just felt really long. They're obviously like super in love and that's great. And, you know, they seem to really care about each other and it's really strong. But 90 seconds. Unnecessary. Not needed. No, no, no. So they're blissfully unaware of all the pressure that Colby is getting back home. And the Angela was really laying it on thick, saying, like, can I talk to the counsellor? I can talk to her myself. And Colby's just an expert now at dodging all these questions and just being a slippery little fish until hopefully the 72 hours they they find her and bring her back. But even though there was like this love triangle on the search party brigade, this love triangle is really coming back into play now that the search party is on effectively a little holiday together. So you can see Tani's a bit uncomfortable. 
but they really did need Max so I can see why she's there so I suppose they're just trying to like get on with things but as that's all going on we have Bella and Nick's relationship getting more and more serious so they're now taking their relationship to the next level they've sealed the deal I thought it was done very well very cute Nick was great and very understanding and even though Bella can kind of tell that Nick is only really on this trip to like he hasn't really thought it through but well let's be honest she hasn't either when they have that chat about like the waterfalls and he's like oh my dad had to taught me how to swim in a waterfall and Bella's like my dad taught me how to disappear <laughs> it's like whoa okay dark I think this trip has been a good way for them to yeah take it to the next level but it really is tested then when they get the car trouble So he's like, we have to call for help. We don't have any food. We don't have any water. And we now don't have a car. And Bella just won't listen. And that's kind of like, I know you're good at disappearing, but if you can't turn on your phones, what are you going to do? You've come to the most remote part of Australia. You can kind of tell she was getting a bit jittery when he was like, I'm just going to go flag somebody down. So her running off was no surprise. But what was a surprise was when the search party finds Nick and they enter into this incredibly high speed chase in the woods like why you're not gonna run away from your brothers like you clearly miss them i just thought that part was unnecessary like just you don't need to bold nick i thought that was strange but anyway but then when nick has to explain it all to them and the lads are finally convinced that nick isn't protecting her he genuinely doesn't know where she is she's done a runner even though they're supposed to be in it for the long haul or whatever and I love when Mac is like, but look, Bella is smart. And then Tana just, he's like, I've got a few one-liners. And this one-liner, yeah, that's debatable. And it's like, yes, because she has not thought this through. I don't understand why Bella doesn't see that her not testifying makes it way worse. Even when she tried to get them all to run away at the beginning of the investigation, all of them were like, that's so stupid. And I know she's can't handle the pressure of it all, but still, it's actually making things so much worse. And you can understand why Colby and Willow are so worried back at home. Like, it really isn't going well back in Summer Bay at all. Especially when Angelo sees the blood and sand tattoo. Ooh. So, spoke about it in last week's episode about Angelo's kind of connection. He was driven out of town, kind of, or took a kind of a convenient step away from the bay because of the Braxtons, i.e. River Boys, i.e. Blood and Sand, vis-a-vis Colby's old gang. So Angelo then does some rooting around which really exposes Colby and does not pay him in a good light. I don't understand why Colby so years ago the police force found out that Colby was in the River Boys before they didn't know and he didn't claim it and I don't think you can become a police officer if you're part of a gang but he had this big testimony and a trial and they decided that he had left his like gang days behind him. So I don't understand why he wouldn't have just gotten another tattoo on top gotten a bit of like laser tattoo removal silly Colby because Angelo's already sitting on him so or why he wouldn't even be conscious of it and um, his hard times continue when Angelo's wife Taylor rocks into the bay so I love how she's like she's a bit cheesy now but like I'm looking for a missing person my husband and then Angelo's like well don't ask Colby he's terrible at finding missing people Love that bit. It really did tickle me, I must say. So one of the perks of being a cop means that Kobe can check in on the case and on the statements and the progress that it's on. He has access to all that software. But now it's access denied. Are you a cop first or are you a river boy first? Good one, Angelo. So... The heat is really being turned up on Kobe. So I really hope they do find Bella because 
she could easily just have run away. They were going to find someone, but were they going to find both of them? So I can understand then why Colby is... in desperation mode buying Taylor drinks after Angelo rain checks okay here we go this is either a death wish or it's completely genius because you kind of get to know her tell your side of the story and then when the cop and his wife are having pillow talk the wife can be like oh Kelby's a good guy he loves his sister blah 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 I don't know in my eyes he's really playing with fire but his there might be a bit of method to his madness. I don't know. But he's kind of quizzing her like a cop and it's um, risky business for Mr. Colby. So now on to Baby Daddy Dean. This storyline I just found a bit far-fetched. Just the way in which Amber tells Dean... Like, obviously, okay, she has flashbacks. I'm doing a dramatic job for Colby resulted in her brother dying all those years ago. So I can understand why her maternal instincts were kicking in to not want Dean to go to the Blue Mountains, even though it's just like a boring search party filled with hours of driving. But I suppose Amber didn't know that. But I just find the she's been in the Bay a while now and it's like you just didn't tell anyone. And there was no inkling of this coming. I just kind of was found a bit myself eye rolling a bit at this. Now, there's another story that I've eye-rolled way more to that was on this week. We'll get to that in a minute. I don't know, just a stretch too too much, I think. But anyway, I find Amber's excuses for not saying anything. Like, Jai is five. In those five years, would you not think to make contact or let him know or even get in touch? You knew Dean was a nice guy. I just find it odd that she was like, well, it was my body. That's not really fair on the dad to not let him know. And also, as Ziggy says, Dean would have given it 110% had he have known. Or he, maybe not then, but he certainly will now. So being can kind of understand the number because she didn't want to go back to, it was too painful because of her brother. So yeah, the, the holes in the storyline are a bit pockety. But it does give reason as to why she left the bay and just disappeared and why she didn't tell anyone. I don't know why you wouldn't tell your best friend though. Anyway, we just have to, I suppose, accept that and move on. Why? While Dean is trying to wrap his head around it, we have Ziggy who's getting really annoyed, which results in Dean getting more annoyed at her. Then she's a bit like remorseful, but but she's really just laying on the pressure and Dean's clearly feeling it. And then when there's the blow up between Colby and Dean in the surf club, once again, Colby's crazy eyes come out again and he's mad at, at Dean for not going to the Blue Mountains but like whoa that was unnecessary just and also Colby you're in your uniform you can't be having a fight with a civilian in the middle of the day in the surf club I suppose as we know the pressure is really getting to him so now Ziggy finds out and I must say it really is the perfect distraction because now Ziggy doesn't really need to question the whole why the rest of the gang are being shady like they have re- Dean has a reason to kind of soak up all of Ziggy's questions and attention and in a way it kind of like removes Dean from the the Ross storyline a little bit but it just kind of it is such a good distraction because it's hard for Dean because he lives with Ziggy and Ziggy lives with everybody else who's been involved in the Ross murder so it's a really good alibi for Dean and I think Ziggy's being like weirdly calm like it's odd 
And she's being quite selfless, being like, when she finds out, she's like, well, it's not about me. And you've got to work it out yourself and then see where I fit in. I, mm, I don't know where I really stand with that. Like, she is being supportive, but you're looking like you're selfless, but you actually are being a bit selfish. I don't know. Then when Amber gets into Ziggy's head, she really starts, Amber is very good at poking holes at Ziggy and Dean's relationship and she's really getting in Ziggy's head. Like, can you handle this and all that kind of language? So, like, this is me and my family and you're just kind of a stand-in, which is such a, like, dominant, almost, like, primitive power play, I think, by Amber. And Ziggy's obviously a bit gobsmacked by the news and then you have someone who's, like, the mother who knows the situation well and has the baby being like, "Mm, I don't know, about you kind of thing. So I think for now, all I think Ziggy can do is just be supportive. But like she keeps repeating, it doesn't matter if I'm okay with it or not. It doesn't even matter if you're okay with it or not. You kind of have to think about the baby. But it's like all this kind of like, don't worry about me, don't worry about me. And just, I don't like the road that that's heading towards. It's because otherwise it would just be hunky-dory and she would have been fine with it. But she's just very good at bringing it all back to herself, Ziggy is. But anyway, post punch up or like scuffle up when Willow's told Colby and then Willow, her and Dean are sitting up on the balcony just having chats about the baby. And Dean kind of gets to talk more candidly with them because he's less to hide with them than he does because they're obviously his family as opposed to Ziggy. But he's, I think it's so sad when Dean's like already let him down and I love how he keeps calling him little dude. That's so cute. And I think he, it, it doesn't take him that long to get his head around it, but I think He'd be such a good dad. But anyway, yeah, Amber does just does such a good uh, number on Ziggy because she kind of got with Dean knowing that he didn't want to have kids for fear that he would inherit his mum's mental health problem, that which was kind of like a personality disorder that gave Dean a really bad childhood because she went undiagnosed for so long. So Dean had said he just doesn't want kids, which Ziggy had accepted. So you would be a bit upset that someone else, as Ziggy said, it's like somebody else has had that chance and it wasn't me. And where does that leave me? So it's kind of, you feel a bit sorry for her. She's, she's a little bit out on her own. But anyway, Amber's dramatic strategy of not telling little Jai that Dean is the dad. Whatever about it for the first meetup, because you can understand, like, if Dean gets cold feet, she has to be protective. But Dean clearly wants to be involved and you're clearly hanging around. So why do you think that he won't, that he's just going to bolt and say no? Like, he's given you no indication of that. But the meetup was so darling. That little actor is very cute. I love his hair. He's very good at rugby. But I really did enjoy Dean's face when he was, like, chasing him with the ball. Like, Dean, whatever the kid's cute face, Dean was like... I have a son. So this whole best way for now game plan of Dean's just a friend. I don't know how long that lasts, but I think it's getting a bit mean on Dean, especially when you've blocked him out for the first five years of his life. This is just a bit dangling it in front of him. And I know she's just being cautious and I know she's being protective, but it is very confusing and weird. And yeah, let's just hope that it doesn't last much longer than that because Dean deserves to be happy and little Joy deserves a good dad. From one far-fetched story to another ridiculous story is Rue's discovery of Owen. So, when she keeps seeing all these Evan sightings, firstly, I am just so annoyed because just when they got rid of Evan, obviously he died in a sad way, but I hated that storyline. He was such a bad actor. He was such a bad character. He just had the cheesiest lines 
and it was just such a like inject a bit of pain into Ryder's life storyline like it wasn't I just found it so pointless and now he's bloody back thankfully less annoying than Evan but I just wonder what the writers are thinking is it like oh Evan started out being a bit crap so we'll kill him off and bring him back in another in his twin form or there's this weird connection with Rue so I don't know is it like not a love interest for Rue, but like it, it detangles it a little bit because Rue couldn't really go out with her nephew's dad. That's a bit gross. But I I don't know if we're there yet, but just Rue's reaction is very skittish and overwhelmed. And I think she's starting to say, like when she says stuff like the death affected her more than she thinks she realises. And she was so worried about protecting Ryder that was she actually really looking after herself, that kind of stuff. So she's definitely freaked out and now more susceptible to some hippy-dippy chats with Marilyn, you know, talking about Evan Spears and everything. And I love, this happens, I think, three times, minimum. That every time they start talking about it, Alf is just randomly in the background. And then he just gets up and is like, I'll leave you two ladies to it. And it's like, why is he involved? Uh, Or it's just so funny every single time they're talking about it. Be it seances, tarot cards, spirits. And Alf is like, see ya. Like when they start talking about the tarot cards and Alf goes, I don't mind waking up the dead, but just please don't wake me up. It's just so good. And then Rue's like, that's a really good way to get rid of him. And and also, sorry, just when Marilyn and Rue weren't talking about spirits and other worlds, they did chat about Angelo's wife. And they so he's not with Nicole. He's with somebody else. We soon find out it's Taylor. But I do like the, the way they tied that up in a little... They didn't leave that story just pretending like the person didn't exist anymore. Like what they're doing with Gemma. Like Ari mentions Gemma at some point during the week, but then that was it. It's kind of like, well, what? You can't, I know she was going home for the funeral, but you haven't acknowledged that she's not coming back. Or is she coming back? There's just no... How long do New Zealand funerals take? I don't think they take months. That's for sure. Anyway, so Rue says no to the tarot cards, but then after seeing him shouting and chasing after him, she says yes to a seance. And I love how Marilyn, she goes into her in the diner being like, I need a seance, I need it now. And Marilyn's like, I don't know if I can get off work. And she's like, no, I just saw Evan. And then Marilyn's like, oh my God, we better go. And just runs out of the diner. It's just like total disregard for your work. It's just really laughed at that. Then it all builds up into this, like, Evan, reveal yourself now. And then he shows up at the surf clubs. Now I kind of understand why Alf was involved in the storyline because he kind of knows what the girls were up to. And then he's with Ryder when Evan slash Owen appears. And then when they walk in at the seance, it's just so, oh, it's just so funny. But also, like, this is a bit of a stretch. Maybe too much of a stretch. Like, this isn't really that viable. Like, there were so many other ways that this could have been brought back in. Like, I don't think we need to involve, like, seances. And I, I just, I think there's so many other ways that he could be brought back. But anyway, I did find it funny when there's, like, a shot where all the fam- all the stewards and Marilyn are all staring at him and, it's just like they're looking at you down the camera. I really enjoyed that, which definitely freaked him out. But but I did totally forget that Evan did say that he was adopted. So a little clue a few weeks ago has led to this. So while Rue is being quite skittish about the whole thing, they do fill him in on Evan and what happened. And then I think that gives Owen more of an understanding as to why the family is so freaked out. And then so I'm glad that he didn't leave and says that he won't go until he finds out more because that is kind of there's no reason there's no way they would let him get walk out the bay anyway but I just feel bad for Rue because she's so I wonder what's going on in that little head of hers because she is so overwhelmed she doesn't know how to answer 
any of his questions. You can barely look at him. It is so strange if we are to buy into this. But I do, I'd love to know what Owen's job is. Because like, okay, he has two daughters, they're grown, so he's obviously divorced if he's travelling on his own. He's dressed like someone on their gap year or someone travelling. Like he's dressed like a surfer dude, dare I say a river boy. He's one wife beater away from being river boy kind of fashion. It's very relaxed. He's got a fuller beard and stuff. So thankfully there's no like tight jeans and pointy boots and meaningless necklaces. So at least that's gone. This guy definitely seems more likeable than his probably twin brother. So so we'll just have to see how that whole storyline works itself out and if Owen will work himself into the bay. Very strange. Really not buying it. And then from the dancing in the Blue Mountains between Bella and Nick to the dancing in the garage between Leah and Justin. Oh, it's just, it's a lot, there was a lot of movement this week. Um, and I do, Justin mumbles a lot. It's actually very hard to understand what he's saying a lot of the time. So in the lead up to his acid accident, like Tori, the doctor, and Leah are really kind of ignoring some of the signs. Like they're not really, while they're noticing them, they're not saying go to a doctor, go to a physio, or is there anything we can do? They're just, Say, thinking that he's really stressed. Uh, so his memory is goosed. He's having little back spasms. He's dropping things. He hurts his hand. He Like, who gets clumsy from stress? Mm-mm. I don't know. But it kind of knew something was coming because they tend to ham up the relationships or like when someone's about to get hurt. So when Leah's like walking out of the at post-dance, when Leah's walking out of the garage, she's like in, enjoying the view and he's like weak at the knees. And then when they like, when they're kissing in the diner and Irene's like, oh, you two get a room and you're so stupid. And she's like, I wouldn't have it any other way. So it was only a matter of time before there was going to be an accident and the rusting work that he was doing from the hydrofluoric acid. They kept zooming in on that. Viewers must know that this is hydrofluoric acid. This is very dangerous. And it was such a calamity of errors of Leah being forced to babysit. So he cancels on her visit. She doesn't go to him. So he's left there alone while he's collapsed. But obviously, Alf will save the day. He acts so accordingly, just takes it in a stride, knows exactly what to do and gets him straight to hospital, puts water on it. He'd really just want Alf around in a crisis, I must say. Then Tori and Leah are obviously distraught in hospital. I still don't agree that like Tori should be operating or treating her brother. I know it involves them both in the storyline, but how do you draw a line? I wouldn't be able to look after my brother while he's going through that. Absolutely no way. She's just such a professional. But they're right to worry that something is seriously wrong because then when they start adding up all the clues, they're like, oh, okay. And so more tests shall reveal. I just think that family have been through so much. Like their baby almost got kidnapped in broad daylight by Jasmine. They've lost their brother. Just the Morgans have been through so much. I really don't think they need like a massive health scare with Justin. So hopefully it's not something too serious. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for me this week. There's a lot to look forward to in next week's episode. Will they find Bella? (laughs) Or will she just be able to fulfill her life's mantra of being able to disappear? It's not looking good for Colby and Angelo as the pressure is mounting. And what the hell does Colby have planned with Angelo's wife? Oh, God. 
God, he's playing with fire. Will Dean's kid, Jai, ever find out that he, who his father really is? And what the hell is going on with this Evan Owen tobacco? Yeah. I need a seance. So if you want to get in touch, you can email summerbasepodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe, rate, and or review if you have a second, but zero pressure. And don't forget about the no spoilers. Try for one week and see. Just try not to look at the episode descriptions or see what's coming up on tomorrow's episode. It's so tempting, but it's worth it. G'day, and I'll talk to you next week.